This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Thursday afternoon, August 25th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. There are some special things to consider when you're purchasing a car for a teenager. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now, the latest measure of the economy is out while the Fed holds its annual policy retreat in Wyoming. We're joined by David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors. Advisors based in Denver and author of the book Understanding Central Banking. David, thanks for joining us today. Uh, the second quarter revision of uh, GDP revised up a little bit, but the economy is still contracted. Uh, what can we learn from that revision? Well, the bad news is that we've got two consecutive quarters of negative growth, even with that revision to a minus 0.6 uh, in uh, the second quarter of this year. Uh, I've been watching that Atlanta Fed estimate for the third quarter, um, and they started in mid-August at around 2.5%, which is a decent number for real GDP growth, but they have fallen off in their estimate to 1.4% for the third quarter of this year, mainly because of weakness in the housing sector. So uh, while we've had two negative quarters, we may get a slight positive in the third quarter, all that being said, I think the Fed chairman is going to be hawkish in his remarks tomorrow. And uh, and it's and Jay Powell has said that uh, that that curbing inflation, stopping inflation, uh, definitely jobs number one, two, three, four, five, and six at the Federal Reserve. Uh, when you talk about uh, hawkish during his remarks in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming tomorrow, uh, you know, there is also a degree to how hawkish one can be uh, while not uh, rattling the markets too much. Exactly. It's a, it's a, uh, uh, it, it's a tightrope. Uh, obviously, the Fed chairman is walking. My guess would be on that tightrope, we'll see uh, a 50 basis point or half a percentage point move up in September. Some people were betting on more than that, but uh, I would say 50 basis points is still fairly significant for a Fed tightening move. And uh, uh, and that's what we'll see. The Fed's going to say the Fed chairman is going to say we're moving to a restrictive posture. We'd like to be around three and a half percent in our target at years end, and we want the financial markets to tighten accordingly. So uh, that's the story from the, the Fed, and many Fed officials have been uh, saying that as we've come up to this meeting in Jackson Hole. 
And we, you know, this is kind of a, a tough uh, uh, needle for the Fe- for the Fed to thread. Is that some of the issues that we're dealing with the, with the economy are kind of like the the post Cold War era coming to an end of. Uh, uh, abundant labor, low fuel costs, uh, the ability to uh, to source your materials and make materials in, in places where it's uh, a lot cheaper to do so. Uh, with all of the disruptions from the pandemic, uh, will the world and the economy be able to uh, do what they were able to do from the mid-1990s until 2019? That's a perfect comment. Um, uh, the bottom line from your comments, as far as I'm concerned, and those were very appropriate comments, is stagflation. As we look ahead to next year, the markets keep hoping that at some point the Fed can pivot from these tightening moves and ease up, but I don't see it coming. We've got rents up and shelter. We've got Biden's green energy policy that will guarantee us higher fuel prices. And look at food. We've got a war and we've got a drought that are going to keep food prices high. So we're going to have sticky inflation going into next year, but we're going to have a much slower economy. That's a bad combination. David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors based in Denver, Colorado. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. There are some important things for parents to consider when buying a car for a high school or college student. Let's get some help from Matt Jones, auto industry analyst and spokesman for True Car based in Los Angeles. Matt, thanks for joining us today. The, uh, hey, my pleasure. How are you? Normally, when uh, parents want to uh, get a car for their high school student who may have just just turned 16 or someone who's about to go off to college, uh, you go to the used car lot, you buy the beater and say, look, it's four (laughs) wheels and a seat. It gets you from point A to point B. Uh, If you want something nicer, you can buy it yourself. But what is the used car market like these days with uh, the chip shortages and the supply disruptions? Uh, Is an old beater uh, uh, an economic and affordable option these days? Well, you know, there's always going to be a place for that old beater, and they're near and dear to my heart. Uh, but because of the reasons you just mentioned, those older, those old beaters that we think of in mind, you know, for, for the high school or the young college kid, you know, in head, we're thinking something like that's 12 or 15 years old. Uh, that may not be the case anymore because of all of the uh, other constraints in the supply chain. So we're talking, you know, cars that are sometimes 20, 25 years old, you know, that put them into that, you know, that four or five, you know, thousand dollar price range. So, uh, you know, for folks who are looking to get those kind of cars for their kids, uh, it's still as good an option as, as ever. It's just we have to be more mindful because the cars are going to be a little bit older if we're staying in that price point and they're going to require more upkeep. So. Uh, the smarter move for those who may be able to swing it is to just maybe move up a little bit in pricing and maybe get something with a little bit lower miles if you know if it can be hap- if it can be made to happen. I went to uh, high school in the '90s and I have memories of a uh, friend who had a Dodge Aries K, which was uh, built sometime in the early '80s, and uh, they uh, the, the price was right, but uh, there were some safety features that were lacking. For example, it didn't have a horn. Uh, you had a, an air <laughs> horn. A, this is real, by the way. It, it had a boat air. horn horn uh, that took the place of the horn, and uh, before the end of the car's useful life, you had to tie the back seats together with a rope to keep the cars, the door, car doors from opening. Um, so the safety considerations are definitely top of mind if you're a parent. Uh, yes, you do want an affordable older car, but the safety features may not be up to date, and like you said, it does require a lot of work, too. So what kind of homework can you do to make sure that uh, you're giving your child an affordable car, but also a safe car? 
Oh, that's awesome. And I, and I think that you really led into it was just when you talked about how things are right now. So the first thing is people really have to go into the market with an understanding of what the market is and how that you know varies from maybe the last time that they bought a used car. That's probably the most important thing. But the other thing to consider is that, you know, if you're buying a car that was made within the last 18, you know, 20 years, m- most of them are good now. You know, they're going to have anti-lock brakes. They're going to have front and side airbags. They're going to have crumple zones to protect all uh, all passengers. So from a safety standpoint, it's not necessarily like how when you and I were going to school and you had to really, you know, be super cautious about that. But what we do need to be cautious about is not getting, you know, beat up by costs to maintain. So I would suggest that people, you know, the first thing that people get into trouble with, I think when, you know, at least from what I see and from the conversations that I hear, is that folks buy cars looking at the cost of acquisition. You know, I got a $5,000 budget or 7000 or whatever it is, but neglect to think about what is my ongoing cost. So let's pay real close attention to what is it going to cost to insure this thing? What's it going to cost to keep it full of gas? What are tires going to cost? And if people walk in in that frame of mind, I think they could probably protect themselves uh, much better than actually than a lot of the people that I'm seeing who are just saying, hey, I bought this car because it was cheap, but I didn't realize the tires were 600 bucks a piece to replace. Next time we talk, Matt, I'll tell you all about the other friend who had a Ford Fairmont uh, where you could look down and see the street uh, running underneath the vehicle. <laughs> Matt Jones, auto industry analyst and spokesperson for True Car based in Los Angeles. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, a famous name in hot dogs takes a detour into the frozen treats aisle. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's a marriage of summertime staples you probably didn't see coming, the hot dog and the popsicle. Let's learn more from R.J. Hadevi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI based in Chicago. R.J., before we talk about the individual merits of the hot dog flavored popsicle or the popsicle flavored hot dog, uh, what is the PR payoff for Kraft Heinz uh, with these types of uh, ungodly uh, marriages of lunch and dessert? Yeah, we really are in the uh, renaissance for frozen treats this summer, following uh, dive bar flavored uh, uh, popsicles, ketchup flavored popsicles, and now obviously the uh, Oscar Mayer cold dog here. Uh, really, it is about creating buzz for these brands, and especially when there was a pullback on new product innovation during the pandemic. A lot of brands are bringing that full force to really create a lot of buzz about the products, but also really expand to a target audience. Our foot traffic data suggests that uh, the low retail locations that sell these promotional products see a, a big spike in foot traffic anywhere between five to in some cases you know 80 90 percent growth uh compared to prior weeks but what's more important too is the 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 profile of that trade area that 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 store uh you see a lot more younger consumers start to come in too so i think that that's part of the idea is create buzz about the product itself and then also expand its target audience so i think there is a pr payoff i think that uh the fact that we're talking about it shows that there's uh, some interest in the story yeah, we got uh, we got fished in by this uh, particular product, but I will say though, and I'm sure you know at, at Placer AI, you guys have uh, 
much more uh, robust and, and granular analytics. But uh, the WBBM uh, Free Food in the Newsroom Index, uh, which usually uh, <laughs> disappears in a matter of seconds, uh, as long as it's free and edible, uh, people go after it. But the uh, the hot dog flavored candy corn that was released a couple of weeks ago, uh, that remained untouched for uh, quite some time. Uh, so clearly this is not something that sells, but it's designed to bust through the fray on social media. Yeah, I think it's it's something that's really meant to create buzz. This won't be a permanent uh, uh, addition to most grocers or restaurants' uh, menus and uh, assortments anytime soon. But the fact that they're talking about it, particularly uh, an older brand, um, one that uh, you don't typically associate with new innovation, um, yeah, I think this is a good thing. I think this is something that certainly helps to put it back in the spotlight. Um, you know, people have it back in mind. And, you know, as you look to Labor Day cookouts, I mean, it's something you're going to think about as you go to the store and pick up Oscar Mayer hot dogs. Um, you know, that's something I think is going to be important as we get more and more con- uh, competition in the space. So um, I, I don't think this will be the last kind of innovation or, or marriage uh, between uh, unusual brands that we uh, or unusual brands and products that we see in the future. This seems like the kind of thing that you will encounter in the wild at a street festival sometime in the future. Uh, for example, uh, I was in Pittsburgh about a month ago. They have a big pickle festival in Pittsburgh. And one of the delicacies, and I use that term extremely loosely, <laughs> is uh, pickle-flavored sorbet, um, which you really should serve to somebody you hate. Uh, but it's it's a truly awful, awful, awful concoction. But that's the kind of thing uh, that you would see at a street festival. The pickle sorbet, the ketchup popsicle, the hot dog popsicle, and maybe the hot dog candy corn. Yeah, I, I think you kind of hit it there, too. The fact that we're talking about it, there's a lot of word of mouth buzz in addition to the social media buzz that you get from it. A lot of people talk about it and consumers want to go and see, hey, I got to go see this for myself. So I think there's a lot of that going on and our foot traffic data supports that. Uh, you know, the, the spike that you see, you do get a, a broader audience coming in and seeing that product. And again, uh, having you know, that brand top of mind when people are making regular purchases, uh, you know, certainly a positive. R.J. Hadevi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI, based in Chicago. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, Chicago will be part of a test of air taxi. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Illinois Secretary of State and Chicago's Health Commissioner are dealing with cases of COVID. The Chicago Public Schools release data on sexual misconduct in the system. It's Technology Thursday, a maker of air taxis plans to test the flying vehicles in Chicago. There's one shopping center on Chicago's Magnificent Mile that's thriving these days. WBBM business. The markets are higher. The Dow is up 79 points. The NASDAQ is up 121. The S&P 500 is up 28. 74 degrees right now under cloudy skies. Going up to a cloudy and humid 82. Scattered showers and thunderstorms as the afternoon rolls on. It's 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, Chicago Public School sexual misconduct numbers appear to be back where they were before the pandemic began. The story from WBBM's Bernie Tafoya. According to Cami Pratt, the director of Title IX for CPS, there were 2,942 sexual misconduct allegations during the last academic year, which was more than twice as many as there had been reported the year before when classes were mostly held online. The overall average reported cases per school day increased from five in school year 21 
to 18.5 in school year 22, which was close to our 18.8 cases per day that we received in school year 20. Pratt told the CPS board that 76% of sexual misconduct allegations involve student against student. She says 84% of CPS staffers and other adults who work or volunteer in CPS buildings have completed sexual abuse training. Bernie Tavoya, 105.9 WBBM. Illinois Secretary of State Jesse White has tested positive for COVID-19. He's reporting mild symptoms and is working from home while in quarantine. Chicago Public Health Commissioner Dr. Allison Arwady is also dealing with a case of COVID. She's experiencing what she describes as cold-like symptoms and fever. The doctor will also work from home while in isolation. Both Arwady and White say they are current with their COVID vaccines and boosters. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues, presented by the the village of Bedford Park. Markets are higher. We're joined by Paul Nolte, portfolio manager with Kingsview Asset Management in Chicago. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Uh, let's talk about this uh, market activity right now. It's been subdued all week. Uh, everyone kind of watching and waiting to see what uh, Fed Chair Powell says tomorrow in Jackson Hole. I think so. And the other part is, too, you've got a lot of uh, vacationers as well. So Wall Street generally is on vacation late in August up until Labor Day. So trading activity is also very subdued. It's the lightest that we've seen really all year. The expectations are that Powell is going to come out and, and reiterate the fact that the Fed is on the job, is going to be hiking interest rates probably 50 basis points in September to try to keep inflation from getting out of hand any more than it is and maybe bring it down before the end of the year. The interesting perspective in the Wall Street Journal this morning uh, from some economists about uh, whether this may be the new normal, that the uh, post-Cold War era of uh, cheap labor, the ability, uh, uh, cheap labor, a deep uh, supply of workers, uh, the ability to build things in the cheapest location in the world without any disruption, uh, that might be over because there's just going to be this hangover effect of of, uh, COVID disruption and concerns about major geopolitical tension uh, disrupting supply chains, uh, that uh, this the era of kind of cheap pricing that we were used to is definitely over, and it may be a lot more sensitive to conditions than it was during the 90s and the early part of the 21st century. I think there's some validity to that. Now, when you take a look at what companies have done over the last 40 to 50 years, we've gone from you know, having a warehouse full of stuff that we can readily access to just-in-time deliveries. And what we're experiencing today is we're having problems with just-in-time. If it's not here, we can't produce it. We can't make that final product. And so that, I think, is something that's going to shift where companies are going to carry a little bit more inventory uh, than they're used to and maybe have more than one or two suppliers. They may have now four or five different suppliers that they're using to spread that risk around a little bit. So I think it, it is going to be a shift. It's something that we're going to see develop over the next decade or two. <clears throat> the long-term implications for companies is that generally means a little bit lower earnings because they are carrying those inventories at, at higher levels than what they have historically. And uh, is is it now kind of the belief by economists and others that maybe this is that this is the end of one era and the beginning of another, and that uh, once that era establishes itself, like the previous one, that'll set up the next uh, thirty years of economic activity? 
I think that possibility exists. The problem that we're having right now is with with still, as you mentioned, the the issues with COVID still having impacts around the world. We don't really have good models for this. We've never flipped uh, flipped the switch off and then turned it all back on again and expecting everything to go back the way it was. So a lot of the relationships are have been disrupted. A lot of the economic data is not what you would be able to go back and say, ah, this is like this period or that period, and here's how things are going to progress. <clears throat> so I think we're all kind of feeling our way around in the dark here trying to figure out how best to deal with this. <clears throat> and it's an ongoing issue that I think is going to be with us for, for many years. Paul Nolte, Portfolio Management portfolio Manager with Kingsview Asset Management based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, taxi. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday. The company Eve Air Mobility is planning to test its air taxis in Chicago. Let's find out more about the upcoming trial from Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University based in Chicago. Joe, thanks for joining us this afternoon. It sounds like at first blush, this test is going to take place in uh, existing helicopter routes in Chicago. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of ambiguity about exactly what uh, you know what this new uh, air, uh, aircraft is going to be. Uh, uh, we brought to Chicago, but they are going to plan tests and they're going to see how passengers uh, access the services, the kind of uh, interest they have, and in, in some sort of an advanced uh, uh, vertical takeoff vehicle called the EVTOL, uh, and how it could work in Chicago. So we're anxious to see how uh, how this is going to roll out. And this is the type of thing that could uh, easily whisk uh, business travelers, those that remain, uh, from downtown Chicago to O'Hare or to Midway, so you don't have to grapple with uh, Kennedy or the Stevenson during rush hour. That's right. You think about the uh, remarkable evolution of this. Uh, years ago, Chicago had uh, Chicago helicopter airways that you know, shuttled people from downtown to the airports and even the North Shore. And with the opening expressways, uh, those services mostly died out. And New York has had, uh, from time to time, helicopter service, but that's never really been viable. The thing about these new planes, uh, these new aircraft, they can be operated as drones. They have far more blades on it to allow for really careful uh, takeoff and landing from exact spots and different weather. Much better noise contour than helicopters. So we do know that this technology is coming, and boy, Chicago would be an exciting place for it. And then how can you uh, set up the air corridors so that uh, your your vertical taxi service from Chicago, from downtown to O'Hare or downtown to Midway uh, doesn't get in the way of existing commercial airplane traffic because you know what the takeoff and landing routes are to O'Hare and Midway for the for the jets and also so they don't get in the way of police helicopters or TV station helicopters or uh, other civilian or commercial traffic in the skies over the city. Yeah, that's certainly a million-dollar question. Years ago, you know, the helicopter always ran out of Terminal 2, out of the rooftop. You can hardly imagine that today with all the safety precautions. But uh, uh, one of the not-so-well-known secrets is Chicago has a new vertiport, it's called. It's over in the Illinois Medical District, uh, uh, just west of downtown. And and there it's... Uh, you know, craft are able to take off and kind of follow the Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railway tracks out, which are pretty wide. So that both reduces the noise contour, 
creates a lot less you know, fear among people when they see these helicopters land. And so the sense is that Vertiport could be a, a pretty good location here. Of course, we lost Navy Pier. It's a, it's a great park, but there's no longer uh, helicopter pads there. So a lot of open questions as to how you would uh, operate a service from downtown. But uh, I do think uh, this technology is going to be uh, light years ahead of what we had you know, a couple decades ago. Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chattuck Institute at DePaul University, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come, a bright spot on Chicago's Magnificent Mile. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. One shopping center on North Michigan Avenue is having success finding tenants and drawing customers while others are struggling. Let's check in with Albie Galoon, senior reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Albie, thanks for joining us this afternoon. The troubles on North Michigan Avenue have uh, led to a great deal of municipal soul searching, and uh, some of the uh, retail properties in which the owners have walked away are some pretty big names. North Bridge uh, on, on North Michigan Avenue near the old Tribune Tower. Uh, they, the owner walked away from that one. Water Tower Place, its troubles are well documented. What makes 900 North Michigan Avenue different? Well, 900 North is um, it kind of runs against the narrative about the Mag Mile. Um, you know, it, the Magnificent Mile is going through a hard time, as you pointed out. It's um, it's a combination of things, really. Um, it's uh, they, they had some success bringing in it's on the north end of the uh, the avenue. So it caters more towards a luxury tenant. It's closer to Oak Street. And those types of tenants have been doing better over the last couple of years. Uh, they added a food hall a few years ago that I think has been a success. And um, they've also managed to cater more to local shoppers rather than tourists. They have um, tenants in there like Equinox Fitness, Mario Tricocci, which just bring in, you know, neighborhood residents. And the more people you get in the mall, the more likely you are to get, um, you know, more sales. So I think it's a combination of those factors that have made a difference. In uh, the early 90s, the calling card of the Magnificent Mile, the thing that made it so much uh, a fun and unique experience was they had stores like Nike Town and the Sony Store and the the one Disney store in the entire area before all of those brands were exported to uh, shopping malls all over the city. You didn't have to travel downtown to see them. Uh, With so many people actually living and working near North Michigan Avenue, is that one path to the future to cater to the people who live in the neighborhood? I think that's part of the solution, possibly. You know, the one thing uh, for the other malls, you know, they're more tourist-oriented and you know, if you look at what's happened with tourism over the last two years, I mean, the pandemic obviously made a big difference and, um, and you know, tourism just dropped. So, um, you know, let's hope that's a temporary thing. Uh, I think that also the Mag Mile needs to really kind of reimagine itself, whether you're talking about uh, vertical malls or just street level retail space. Uh, the The powers that be, the stakeholders have to kind of figure out what uh, what the Mag Mile is going to be in the e-commerce era, the post-pandemic era? Is it going to be more entertainment-oriented? It has to offer something that you can't get at a shopping mall. And so um, we'll see what happens over the next few years. It's obviously, you know, great real estate, and 
it's a it is it has been a destination over the decades and there's no reason to expect that it can't come back Albie Galoon, senior reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.